And this is Encounter with God section here on Faith FM. We are about to have another clue for our quiz before we do. Quick reminder to get the Faith FM app. If you are living in a location where you struggle to get a signal, do you get a signal for Faith FM where you live, uh, Linda? In uh, um, in Australia? Yes. Yes. You yes, do? Yeah. Ah, good. I thought you yeah. might do in, yeah. in your location. When you said where you were living, which we won't say on air, but yeah. when you told me where you were living, I'm like, I think they would be able to listen to Faith FM uh, right there. But yes. if you are in an area where the signal is a bit scratchy or you are commuting through an area where it goes scratchy and sort of comes in and out a little bit, the solution is to get the app. That's it. Just get the app, download it, put it on your phone, run it through your car stereo. You are in good shape. You'll have a crystal clear signal the whole time. And if you're like me, who's got a broken car radio, that's the way to go. I just listen through everything through my phone anyway. Absolutely. Put your headset on, put your earplugs in and... yeah, who needs yeah. a car radio when you've got a phone? Exactly. That's yes. it. You can listen to whatever you want. Just do it like, uh, like it's supposed to be done these days. That's it. We need to get into our Bible study. We're running a little bit behind this week, but that's okay. We've got good verses to read from. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, 20 to 22, please. There we have it. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him... Uh, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in the hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, so when you uh, look at this particular passage right here, there is in the opening part, it speaks about the promises of God. Yes. How does it describe the promises of God right there? Um, it's got it's got a double yes in it. It's, okay, it's approved. Like it's it's affirmed. A double yes. Yes. All right. So it, first of all, it says the promises of God are yes. Yes. Which is yes, yeah. kind of um, an unusual way of speaking. It's kind of that philosophy of daring to say yes to things, and so I feel like God is sort of um, taking a stand for us and going, "Yes, I'm going to say yes to you." And when God makes a promise, the reason the Bible describes it as being a yes is because it's never going to be a no. Mm. He has promised it. It will happen. That is guaranteed. This is not something that is up for negotiation or not, you know, the kind of promises that we make as human beings, like, yeah, I promise I'll do that. I really hope I can. (laughs) You know, it's not that kind of promise at all. It's guys like, yeah, this is my promise. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to happen. You know, like Jesus promised to come back, he's coming back. Simple and as that. We, and we might be used to our own way of thinking where we actually make promises and then we don't always follow them through, but that's not God. That's yeah. humans. That's humans. Yeah. Absolutely. And some of those are because of circumstances sure. yeah. that uh, come in our way. And some of them are simply because we change our mind. Yeah. God but God's do that. not limited because of circumstances. Like he knows what the circumstances are, so he's not going to make a promise without knowing everything. Okay, so the Bible says that all of God's promises are yes. Mm. And what's the next thing? Um, so continuing on from verse 22. Oh, yeah, well, it says it's, it is, his promises are yes, and uh, so through him they are... What's the next... Uh, Next, next interesting word, right? Oh, the second amen. confirming word. Amen. Yes. They are yes and they are amen. amen. Now, for our listeners who are not as familiar with Christianese, we're going to talk about Christianese here for a moment. Christianese <laughs> I like is the, that word. It's the language that Christians speak. Yeah. It is a little bit of a language, like I must say, because 
we get used to some of the words that we just use as Christians and uh-huh. it's not always commonly used in, in regular language, I suppose. Well, here's an interesting thought just to illustrate this. Yeah. English is your second language. It is. When you first learnt English, when you reached the point where you were reasonably confident in holding a conversation in mm. English, mm. were you also at the same time reasonably confident that you could give a Bible study or preach a sermon in English? No. Not no. at all. No, that was and and it's interesting to me because I started studying nursing and that was medical English. That's a different language altogether again. Oh wow. And so um and I you know and we do have a different language as Christians as well. And so I felt really uncomfortable just praying in English. Uh, in English. The the first time I came and I was asked to pray and I was like, Oh, but I pray in my first language, which is Swedish. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel comfortable with that. And and it was it was sort of a little bit of a barrier and it took me a while to get into what are the words that I use. So did you just, I, did you just pray in Swedish anyway? <laughs> um I, I did one time actually. Yep. Um I was asked to pray and I asked if I could pray in Swedish and, uh-huh. and they said, Yeah, that's fine. Because Which, you have all those subtle words hmm. that are part of your faith, part of your relationship yeah. with God, part of Christianity that are not taught in conversational language. Yeah, and I don't think God listens to that as in he doesn't need those words to hear prayer in any sense. And no, I think that was the that was the barrier for me that I had to get over because I, I you know, I come from a Christian background and so I I guess I had this idea that I needed to use the right words, which I don't think is true. I think you can use whatever words you have, whatever language you have, you can still pray and communicate with God and he will hear that. And this, the, whole, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with words that we cannot speak. Yeah. So in other words, you know, um, we are speaking to God with our human limitations and the Holy Spirit's going, yeah, you know what? I know what this person means. This is actually what they're saying. This is, you know, yeah. because I think that God is so far above us and, you know, even even heavenly angels and heavenly beings are so far more advanced than mm. us. They kind of look at it like, you know, they're down like they're talking like toddlers and two-year-olds. Which doesn't mean that we have to try and reach their level, which Not I think is all. really important. It That's means right. that they have a greater understanding that than we are capable of. Absolutely. It means yeah. that they automatically bring our prayers up to their level because they yeah. understand exactly what is in our heart. That's right. They read the thoughts and the motives and the intents of the heart. Yeah. Ah, very good. Okay, so here comes this Christianese word. We did get a bit sidetracked on it, but it was an important discussion. The Christianese word is the word amen. You will often hear Christians say that. Mm. And if you're somebody who doesn't associate often with Christians, you'd be like, why do Christians kind of say that weird word? Mm. What does amen mean? I think typically we think of it as the end, the bookend of a prayer. Okay, yes. That that would be my first thought. But then also Christians do tend to utter... Amen. Sometimes in the middle of a sermon, uh-huh. or, or when someone yeah, says something. If you get a, if, if, what, what's church like in Sweden? Is Sweden is uh, Swedish churches are they uh, enthusiastic, outspoken churches? Or are they kind very of... quiet people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. I thought yeah. so. The whole region up there, all of yes. Europe, is like super quiet in church. Yep, yep. That's um, it. If it's you want to get of the cold, if you, <laughs> is that what it is? Yes. Oh, if you come in winter, people are very reserved and closed up. If you come in summer, we're lovely people. So just come to Sweden in we're summer. We're a bit dual. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Indeed. <laughs> I, I have uh, 
I have learned something there when I visit Sweden. Yeah. I will endeavor to be there. You know, I would I would plan to go in summer anyway just because yes. I like summer. It's my favorite time of year. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah, if you go to, you know, say, for instance, African churches, you can have a lot of life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just very vibrant, lots of life, lots of people calling out amen. Yeah. Uh, particularly African-American churches. Um, you'll have all kinds of things being called out from mm. the audience. Mm. But amen is the most popular one. Yeah. Why do people say this? Why do they call it out in church? Why do you sometimes hear Christians say it in conversation? Uh, what does this word mean? Um, I associate it with like I agree or it's an affirmative sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a different word for yes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, some definitions would be so let it be. Mm, yep. We agree absolutely 100%. That's how it is. Um, yeah, right there with you. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so uh, we have this word here where uh, the Bible says that the promises of God are yes, that's a definite, and amen. Yeah. That's two definites. Mm. Why does God give two definites? Well, I guess if, if we look at amen as let it be so, it, it's sort of affirming that, okay, yes, let that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And God is just really just emphasizing the fact that uh, his promises are never, ever, ever going to fail. Mm. All right. So we need to look at these in these promises in relationship to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's, uh, let's quickly flick, flick over to Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. So that's Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. Uh, let's go there. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Sorry, let me start that again. If you then, uh, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There you go, Linda. The Bible says you are evil. <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> and I think what God is pointing out here is that as human beings, we are weak, failing human beings. We are sinful and we sin. Yeah. And if we as weak, failing sinners who are relying on the grace of God, and even within the context of this passage, there would have been people in his audience who were not followers of God, mm. even though they may have professed to be. They were um, you know, professed followers, but not necessarily followers of God. Mm. But when you combine, you know, we need to apply this to ourselves because it's meaningless if we point fingers at others. But if we apply it to ourselves and say, yes, I am a weak, failing, sinful human being um, who has on multiple occasions broken my connection with God mm. and I still know how to give good, good gifts to my children. Yeah. Um, and so for a single person like yourself, you've no doubt got family, friends, relatives, etc. that you like to give good gifts to. Yeah. And, but I think it's interesting also in this verse because he says, you then who are evil. Uh, and in a, in a weird sort of way, he's connecting with humans, going, we have something in common. We both want to give our children good gifts. And so why wouldn't I, who is above all this? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And so it's, it's again, that sort of, I mean, God is at such a higher level than us. Uh-huh. But it's not that we need to reach that. He doesn't go, you need to be God. Yes. He says, you who are evil, you, can, you, you get this concept, you do this. Like, why wouldn't I? Yes. Of course I would. So here's an interesting thought. 
you do get some parents who are evil enough to not want to give good gifts to their children. Yes. So let's 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 put evil on a scale. Mm. And occasionally you'll find these kind of parents, they're ending up in court, their children are being taken away from them for whatever reason, yeah. and they just are never going to do anything good for their kids. Yeah. It's a bit of a rarity because even the worst parents out there, mm. they do actually have feelings for their kids and they do actually want good for their kids. Yeah. Or there's there might something be just... hindering them from experiencing that in some way. Yes. Uh, you know, and they might have drugs in their life, whatever it might be. Yeah. But it is built into human nature that we want to do good things for our children. Yeah. It's a part of the image of God being created in us. And what God Mm. is saying is, look, you were created in my image. The reason you like to do this is because I like to do this. Yeah. And uh, the gifts of the Spirit are good things. Yeah, and that's what I believe he's referring to here where he's bringing up that example. It's just like we have this connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. All right, let's go to James chapter 1 and verse 5. God is much more willing to give us the gifts of the Holy Spirit than we are to give our children gifts. We have to kind of ask ourselves the question, then why do we not receive more of the Holy Spirit's power? Is the problem with God, is it that he is being stingy about the gifts of the Spirit? Clearly not. Okay, Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 5. Please, Linda. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Okay, so once again, the promises of God, which are yes and amen, and here we have the promises of God. Mm. If you are lacking wisdom, if you are lacking understanding of the word of God, what do we do? Ask. Ask, and he will give it to you. Yeah, generously. That's right. He's not going to hold back. Mm. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Very simple verse right here, but one worth remembering and one worth, yeah, really uh, making a part of our lives as one of the promises of God that are yes and amen. Mm. In other words, double double dose of qualification that these are 100% reliable promises. That's it. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. All right, does God force himself on us in these verses? Does God say, hey, I'm going to come down and ready or not, willing or not, I'm just going to pour out, you know, uh, everything that uh, you need? No. So what's the process? What's our process within this verse? Well, we have to take the first step. Yes. But I I think there's a challenge in it too because he says, if you ask, you will be given. There's a challenge in that going, okay, if you ask, I will give it to you. Sometimes we ask for things that we don't really know what we're asking for yes. and then God gives it to us like... I think we do. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to receive it that way. Yep, yep. That's certainly my experience. Sometimes sometimes I've had... I know that I've prayed for things and gone, um, you know, I, I want this or, or, or I need this to happen or I need your guidance in this or that or the other. Um, and then sometimes you get the answer, but it's not necessarily what you expected (laughs) it's a little bit like praying for humility it's one of those really dangerous prayers to pray yeah because it's one that god will answer yeah you pray for humility god's like yeah sure i'll help you that's a dangerous prayer (laughs) (laughs) and uh and 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 the great thing is that you know if you need a little bit of humility and you don't pray for it Mm. god still knows you need it 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think yeah. we have all learnt that on occasions. Yeah, but he won't barge in on you no, with it. No, that's yeah. right. He says, ask, hmm. seek, um, and when I put those two words together, this is, when you have asking and seeking, it's, it ceases to be just passive. Yes. Seeking is quite active. Mm. Seeking is a little bit like going on, uh, you know, hunting for something, looking for mm. it, being active about it, being and intentional. It, yeah, it's not a once-off either. That's right. It's a process, I yes. would say. Yeah. Definitely. And so it's not one of those things where we just go, oh, okay, God's made a promise that he's going to give us wisdom. God can have wisdom and then we never even go back there again and yep. just move on with our lives. Mm. That's not a relationship. God no. wants to have a rela- God created us for the purpose of relationship. That's yeah. why we exist. And when you ask a question, often you get another question in return. Hey, mm-hmm. because it will it will prompt more questions. It and, does. And, and I guess that's the seeking part. So, like asking, it will be given. Yes, but the answer might lead to more questions. And then you're going to get and more then answers. You're off to, yeah, yeah. And that's why it's described as a journey. Yes, a journey of faith, um, a path. Mm. The early Christians called it the way. Yeah. In fact, Christians were called the followers of the way before they were called Christians. Mm. Um, so this was something that you know goes back a long, long way, this whole concept of having a relationship and having a journey and having a path and being constantly drawn closer and closer uh, to God. Yeah. All right, so here's an interesting question. It comes out of the Bible study. I'm going to throw you on the spot, Linda. All right. What are your specific gifts and how can you improve these gifts for the Lord's service? Uh, I think I'm a very creative person. Cool. I, I love, <clears throat> excuse me, um, yeah, arts and crafts, being creative. I love storytelling, uh, which is something I aspire to become better at, for sure. Uh, I see so much, uh, I see that thread being woven through everything of story. Um, the need to tell story and and how we package that and how we tell story to ourselves and to others um, defines how we experience life. And I would like to become better at that. That's amazing. Yeah. Praise God. It, it, that's a passion of mine. I think that I, I really appreciate creative people because when I see God, the nature of God, God's nature is creativity, is creative. Yes. Yes. You know, you look out at nature and you look at everything that nature that is in nature and it's just mm. like just totally amazing and yeah. creative and it's different and there's so much variety. Mm. We talked about that earlier in the week. And when I see human beings being creative, I see them expressing the image of God that mm. he has placed within them. That's certainly how I feel connected to God is being creative and, and taking part in that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25, and we have a passage here to read. So we've got, uh, what, about 15 verses to go through. We're going to read a parable. Uh, Linda, go for it. Uh, Starting in verse 14. 14, thank you. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five 
Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what, you, what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and, and gnashing of teeth." Okay, that's, so that's a that's harsh. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 one of those parables that it it kind of starts off really good. Yeah, and at the end, it's like it takes wow, a turn. Wow, it takes a turn. <laughs> it takes a really uh, a really quite a steep turn right yeah. there. There's some lessons we can learn from it. Some mm. great lessons we can learn from this parable. First of all, we've basically we've got three servants. Yes, they all receive something. Mm. Some receive more than others. Mm. There is an expectation that they will do something with what they have received. Yeah, it says according to the, their ability. Uh huh. I uh, I know of a church pastor. I've met a church pastor who one time um, went to the bank and took out a whole bunch of one hundred dollar notes. Mm. Took them to church, and in the sermon, he said, "I will give one of these <laughs> to every person here." If you come and get it, uh, under the understanding that you will do something with it to multiply it in the service of God. Oh, interesting. And uh, I mean, how would you feel sitting in the congregation? There's like a hundred bucks up the front. It's like I can, I can go and have a hundred bucks right yeah. now. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, but the condition was that you do something with that yep. as a talent in the service of God. Mm. And this was his own personal money, by the way. He gave away like seven grand or something or other. Yeah, big church. Yeah, and. Um, I don't remember all the details. It was um, quite some time ago when I met this guy and heard the story. This church exploded in growth. Wow. They were doing things all over their community. Uh, They had projects just sort of here, there, and everywhere. People took this money Mm. and they took it seriously and they invested it into God's work. And amazing things happened. Yeah. I guess it's focusing in on the motivation to why you would go up and take that money because he did make it clear that, you should multiply this for God. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's the parable as well, where like it, they give all the money back to the master in the end. So none of it was for their own keepsake. Yes, yes. None of it was their money ever in the first place. Yeah. So there's an important lesson there for us as well. We have all kinds of resources. We have all kinds of money. We have all kinds of gifts. None of them belong to us. Yeah. And when you go through this parable, it is very much about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so God gives all of us gifts of the Holy Spirit, the mm. question is what do we do with them? Mm. And, and and that it doesn't grow 
if you just let it sit there. Yes. So if you have the gift of creativity and mm. storytelling, you have the option of doing nothing with it. Yeah. Uh, or you have the option of doing something with it. And if you do, you're going to double it. Mm. You know, your storytelling will improve. Your creativity will improve. Your It's actually the way the brain works. The brain will just yeah. wire itself to become an expert in these areas. And God's like, okay, here is a gift. Yeah. You have been born with this gift. Mm. What are you going to do with it for me? It's kind of like practicing an instrument, I imagine. I don't play anything, but, you know, you see those kids who are just gifted. Yes. But it's not like they were struck by lightning and then they were amazing at piano. They put in hours too. They may have put it in early in their life um, and they and, may and have they had may a have talent natural, for it. Yeah, they've got Absolutely, natural ta- talent Absolutely, but you there. still got to put in the work. And I think that's any gift is... Yes, if you have a gift, you still need to put in the work to see results. Okay, so what about this guy that has the one talent? Mm. If you were that guy, would you feel a bit ripped off? Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's like yeah. everybody else got that, – that guy got five and that guy got two and I've only got one measly talent. Yeah, and like I'm not going to lie, I felt a little bit as it's sort of – Coming to the like, end, it's a bit like... Oh. Out of darkness, gnashing in teeth. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and also the words like, to, according to your own ability, you only got one. That's your ability. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's think about this then for a moment. Mm. Let's think about, let's say that if we, if we consider this guy's attitude, mm. because this guy's attitude towards God is, look, you're a hard man. You yeah. read where you don't sow. Yeah. Um, you're always trying to get things that don't belong to you. Mm. Um. With that attitude, would it have made a difference if God had given him five or ten or twenty? No, I don't think so. He would have done the same thing. It's again, it's that motivation of what am I investing my money, my time, whatever it is into. And it speaks to his relationship with the master. Yes. So you've got the same the same master. Mm. uh, I should say business owner, if in modern modern language, you've got the same business owner here, and two of them. They receive these talents and they're like, yeah, this is mm. a great guy. We're going to go mm. and invest this and we're going to produce something for him. They believe in the business. They believe, exactly. Yeah. Whereas the other guy, he doesn't believe in it. He's like, no, he's oh, I've been given this and this guy expects something from me. Uh, well, you know, the least I can do here, let's, let's figure out the least. Yeah. I'm not going to go backwards if I bury it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's all he does, and he has a wrong picture of the character of God. And because of his wrong picture of the character of God mm. and seeing God as a hard man, he uses that as an excuse to uh, dissolve himself of his responsibility to serve God. And um, and God isn't demanding something that we don't have. It's something that uh, we we already... He's, you know, God is is demanding what we already have you know, because we start with nothing. Yeah. Everything we have comes from God. Um, and with a little bit of effort, he could have improved. You know, all he had to do was go and put it in the bank. Mm. Yeah, and would have earned a bit of interest. Yeah. Um, so many, you know, lots of people just sort of excuse themselves because of their inability, but nobody actually has um, inability because our ability mm. comes from God. 